Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm John, and this episode I'm joined by Hannah and Johannes Pavola to talk about the recent scum and villainy one shot we played. Now, obviously, I'm sure everyone's aware of the current situation. A lot of us are trapped indoors. And so those of us are into the online role-playing. There's been plenty of one-shots going on. Uh, Johannes ran as a Stars Without Number one shot a few nights ago. And it may be longer than that because my conception of time is just entirely... Yeah, it's it's fluid now. Timey-wimey stuff. That, that's it, exactly. It's like a Doctor Who episode. But... Last night, no, it wasn't last night, was it? Thursday night. Thursday night. See, I don't know. Is it, is it daytime? I don't even know what time zone I'm in. What even is time? Indeed. Okay, so we we played through this um, Scum and Villainy game, which is Power by the Apocalypse based. Uh, it's Forged in the Dark, so I believe it's based on Blades in the Dark. Yeah, Blades in the Dark, yeah. And it's produced by Evil Hat Productions, who I know mainly as the people who create the version of the Fate game they tend to run. And it, it's pretty much a sort of Star Wars, space opera, lots of sci-fi tropes all thrown in with like the serial numbers gently and lovingly buffed off them. So, Janus, what mm-hmm. was it in particular that made you think uh, Scum and Villainy might be a good choice? I think as we were talking about what to play with the, uh, the people that happened to be around at the time, us three and Matthew, I guess it was fairly easy to narrow down our collective interests and that was lucky uh, that we actually yeah. happened to have mm-hmm. uh, four people and we didn't plan ahead for like oh what our tastes might be for a game right now and then uh, just talking down the the list of games that would be possible to be run at this time uh, Scum and Villainy just ticked I think at least uh, boxes for all of us so yeah. that, that was a fairly easy call to make well, that's it. I mean, I think we're all we're all sort of fans of sci-fi, aren't we? I mean, I know you're a massive fan of sci-fi, love. Well, yeah, but, space. Uh, Everything's yeah, I mean, better in space. I mean, these so like because Scum and Villainy is like quite sort of generic, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it takes inspiration from a lot of different yeah. places, a lot of like classic sort of tropes. It, it's going to be rare, I think, to find a role player who doesn't have some yeah. sort of sci-fi franchise that they're a fan of. Yeah, and when we say that, of course, Scum and Villainy, like, the name is a direct reference to Star Wars, but it's not really a Star Wars game in in the sort of way that Star Wars narratives have historically worked. Yeah. Uh, it's not that at all. The, the way you described it, it seemed a lot more like Firefly than yeah. Star Wars in its background. They didn't get much of the background defined, but what there was seems very yeah. similar. <laughs> Too soon. Because I was looking at the media references, which is a thing that all role-playing games going forward should include, I think. Like, yeah, just, definitely. Uh, inspirations. Like, don't be coy about the thing. Like, call your game Scum and Villainy, because if, <laughs> if you're taking... Well, it's like if, 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 you're writing like a, if you're writing like a university lecture or something, and you're like drawing... Um, you quote your sources, don't you? Your source material mm-hmm. that you're yeah. referencing. I think absolutely right. We, we're never going to have like someone hold up a role-play game and go, yes, this is an entirely original concept. No one has ever seen this role-play game before. Mm-hmm. So why not ju- just own it and just say, yeah. like, yeah, this is what's influenced me. And I, I think it's, like, there's no, no one's going to be looking down their nose at you if you're like, no. oh, I'm, I've made this game called Bar Hammer, and it's about 
a, a pseudo Germanic empire fighting against some Beos cultists. Like it's <laughs> like no, no one's gonna give you shit for like having inspirations because that's what like fucking spoilers here. Uh, that's what creativity is. You you take influences and then you create new works based on those. But uh, the thing that I was gonna mention is the game is called Scum and Villainy. It borrows uh, a lot of stuff from the sort of Star Wars bucket but they don't mention it in the touchstones. So the touchstones here would be like movies, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, uh, that yep. checks out. Uh, Serenity, mm-hmm, yeah, we just mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, they, they do have Star Wars here as well, but they then they go into like Cowboy Bebop, uh, yeah. Firefly, Killjoys, which is more our thing because we do the bounty hunting stuff. Yeah. Um, Lost Universe, uh, Blake 7, Outlaw Star, so a lot of the sort of like freewheeling base outlaw space type. cowboys. Yeah, space cowboys is is exactly cowboy yeah. bebop. <laughs> yeah, um, and why not? I mean, let, let's face it. If if you ask anyone, like go back to like Star Wars. If you yeah. ask anyone, like w- what their favorite character is, that like, you ask a group, there'll be plenty of people there who are like, oh, I like Han Solo. I like Chewbacca because at the start they're the sort of like slightly dodgier sort of you know sort of. Mm-hmm sort of space free wheelers you know they do what they want they're not really with the rebellion at the start they're sort of yeah. later on yeah they're looking out for number one and just exactly. trying trying to and make ends meet in their cargo ship now I, I believe i mean i've not played blades in the dark but obviously heard you talk about it before you yeah i believe that's based very much around the idea of like your sort of gang performing like heists and holding your territory yeah yeah it's uh i don't have my book here but uh yeah the idea is that you are a crew of ostensibly either like straight up criminals or otherwise like sort of outcasts from society and there is no other option for you like you can't go out and get a job that's off the table because the game is not about that. It's about uh, you doing underhanded stuff in an overcrowded city in this, this setting where you basically you can't go out of the city because that's, that's where you die. And uh, it's, it's a game about you trying to further your crew of, let's say, criminals and um, like make it big in the criminal underworld. And then, yeah. of course, you need to deal with all the other factions of the city like other gangs the police like whoever might be in your way yeah so for anyone who's not aware of what a sort of like a powered by the apocalypse game is at its very basic i would describe it as it's a it's a simple game that gives you some clearly defined choices on your character sheet or your sort of um, they're normally called like what's the term they use in powered by the apocalypse they don't just call them characters, they're like player booklets or something. Yeah, playbooks in playbooks, in Apocalypse it. World, yes. Yeah, and basically that you pick a uh, one of these like booklets, that one of these playbooks that will be themed around a specific character. So if you're looking at something like Dungeon World, which is a, a sort of a Power of the Apocalypse version of D&D, the playbooks are the traditional classes, so like your fighter, your thief, your druid, stuff like that. In Scum and Villainy, obviously you have... Each playbook focuses on like a, a sort of archetypal style of character. Then mm-hmm. you you roll some stats for it. You make some choices about what particular abilities you've got, and it allows you to jump straight in. So this is why I'm such a big fan of the Power by the Apocalypse because it means you've got about five minutes and you've got a whole character gen up, and 
obviously the system we were using it's not quite the same as powered by the apocalypse but again it's got playbooks so a lot of those decisions that like some players will agonize over for an hour and a half mm-hmm. are reduced down to one tick box yeah and it means you can actually get some game in on the first session because that's where a lot of games fall apart. People gen up characters and then nobody meets up again because it was really boring to gen up those characters. <laughs> see, now you can't see this on the podcast, obviously, but when Hannah said, like, oh, someone who agonised over the decision, she was like, look at you saying that. I, I wasn't. <laughs> also, I might have been, but I wasn't thinking of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know so, exactly who I was thinking of when I said that. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. So uh, just and this, this is mainly just for me, but just to uh, share the information uh, because uh, I like doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So Blades in the Dark and the derivatives thereof, yeah, they kind of grew from the part by the apocalypse stuff. It's it's plain to see probably mm-hmm. for everyone, yeah. but it's kind of the like at, at the very least like the second generation like design wise where a little it, bit more it, crunchy. Yeah, and it goes into like further places than the very like hyper focus uh of most of the part by the apocalypse stuff uh so uh yeah so it's a little bit different uh and there's a little bit more to it as we have now the the crew uh, because we have we have a ship right in our our space freewheeling crew the cerberus yeah which has its own uh, sheet where we have uh different powers and and it has a, a rating for the engines and that sort of thing yeah yeah and I think, uh, as we were saying, the as it describes itself, it's one of the forged in the dark games. So we've got they started off with Apocalypse World, then it was powered by the Apocalypse, and it was games using that rule system, but to focus in on a different type of game. I see Blades in the Dark came along, and now people are taking that rule set and they're spinning that off mm-hmm. to, to to take some of those themes. You know, the the idea of you know having your sort of crew doing missions, stuff like mm-hmm. that, and they're spinning that off into different types of games. This is because gamers can't resist pulling things apart and trying to put together yeah. better. Of course we can't. It's the game away. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. Yeah. Okay, so we, we one of the great things about Power of the Apocalypse and these sort of Forge in the Dark games is the actual prep and runtime needed to like get, up, get a, a session up and running is... From my experience, I mean, I've not run a Forged in the Dark game, but I've run plenty of Power of the Apocalypse games. It's quite minimal because the game, because it focuses on one specific thing. In this case, you know, sort of uh, doing like heists and stuff like that. You don't have to spend all the time agonizing over it to get the prep done. And it offers you a lot of tools to help you get that game up and running. So I personally think those games, great for conventions, great for one shot. I often see people sort of touting like, oh, has only been good for one shot. But I think certainly, as we've experienced with Scum and Villainy, although we've only done one session, there's they've added more to it. So it feels to me more like these, these Forged in the Dark games are more suitable for campaign play than perhaps some of the, the earlier the Apocalypse mm-hmm. games. Yeah, there's definitely. And, and for both uh, the part by the Apocalypse stuff and now the Forged in the Dark stuff, both of those have a limit sort of built in uh, either a lesser extent or large like very like defined sense uh and uh it goes from uh part about the apocalypse tremulous which is a game that we played a couple of yeah. times uh 
tremulous even it even says in the books it's like yeah we didn't include like advancement stuff because it's not really a thing and you probably are dead so <laughs> it's it's not a thing that we like spent a lot of time on uh so that's like the other extreme end and then you have in like between that and then let's say blaze in the dark uh or yeah scum and villainy um you have all these other games which like 12 sessions, 12 plus thereabouts, where it's it kind of, because the mechanics escalate uh, the thing that as you play, it, it tends to lead to a climax eventually because of the very mechanics of the game. Uh, and that what is what I'm trying to say is usually, let's say, John, you mentioned Dungeon World. So Dungeon World has the idea of like, there's different stuff going on in the world. And while you're engaging with stuff number one, stuff number two will do its own thing because you do, you weren't there to stop it. So it yeah. escalates the situation in the world and eventually things will come to a head and then there's the denouement and then maybe you uh, start a new game, maybe you continue. But the, the, like the story arc is sort of built into the game because the mechanics escalate the thing and then there's the climax. And that is true for the Forced in the Dark games as well. But there's a little bit of a longer arc because it's built that way. It's supposed to be a more expansive thing where you... Um, look, for example, with Blaze in the Dark, you you're meant to like take over neighborhoods and grow your criminal empire in the yeah. city. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of one of the things I I noticed about it initially when I was sort of reading through like the little sort of prep PDF that you sent us is a lot of the Powered by the Apocalypse games that I've played before. They use like a very simple sort of like two dice mechanic where you you roll like a couple of dice, you add a skill rating to it. If you get sort of 10 plus, that's a great success. Seven to nine, you've succeeded, but something might have occurred to yeah, complicate some, things. Yeah. Yes, but. Yeah, then you get six or less. Like basically, the GM decides what happens, but normally it's unfortunate for you. But I noticed um, that uh, Scum and Villainy uses like a dice. It has a similar sort of resolution mechanic, but it uses mm-hmm. like a dice pool system mm-hmm. rather than just two dice. Yep. Yep. And that there's a whole lot that ties into like how that all works. But the as we discovered and especially you, you John, or rather your character discovered that the idea in Blaze in the Dark and, and the derivatives is your characters are quite capable and they need to be because their lives are kind of shit, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Uh they are quite capable and you have a lot of opportunity to resist the bad things that come to your come your way, but you have a limited capability of withstanding the consequences of resisting that stuff. For example, your character, you filled out your stress track in our first session, and yeah. you you gained one trauma, which is like if you gain four trauma, your character retires because they can't deal with the life anymore, uh, which is true for uh, Blaze in the Dark as well. Uh, so the idea is that yeah, you get to roll uh, quite a few dice, and I think for Hannah especially, like you rolled several times, and you you kept rolling sixes as your highest number, which is like yeah, cool, you did the thing, uh, like nothing bad yeah. happened. <laughs> you kept doing that, uh, and that that's uh, as a direct result of having a bunch of dice to roll because you you put choose the highest number that you rolled, and you you kept rolling at yeah. least one six, so you were uh, good on that front, however, the others maybe not not so much, but still like yeah, you got your stuff did you uh resisted being uh knocked down, you resisted being uh subjected to consequences at the expense of gaining stress, and in John's yeah. case here, you gained one of your basically you lost like let's say 
one fourth of your uh, like mental hit points permanently because mm-hmm. you have a trauma now as a and result I, of this. I, I quite like the idea as well. Like when you when you get the trauma, you pick like the descriptor that goes with it. So in my case, because I was trying to resist damage from this weird like psychic crystal artifact we'd come across mm-hmm. when I like acquired the trauma, I went for the obsessed descriptor. So that my character becoming obsessed with these arcane artifacts and studying them to understand the uh, the way the the mysterious force that moves through all things. Uh, mm-hmm. So I quite like the fact that even when, like, say, even though I've lost like a quarter of like my mental hit points. And like you said, when you hit mm-hmm. four, that that's your character. Yeah, done. that's it. <laughs> so, but even though I've done that, it's still given me a jumping off point for like more role playing and more advice, how to like yeah. play my character. It's like a new aspect. To mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it's also, um, it opens up, uh, an additional, uh, advancement trigger for your character because they're one of the experience point, uh, triggers in this game is you struggle with, uh, trouble from your trauma or your vice and you didn't have that before mm-hmm. and now you do so whenever you uh, bring in some sh- <laughs> as a result of being like oh wait <laughs> I think I saw a crystal over there <laughs> I need to go I need to go look and everyone's like no <laughs> don't uh, and when you get it you, when you get yourself into trouble as a result of your obsession uh, you get advancement points for your character which was not possible before uh you had the trauma yeah and i i I think as we've already said that um it pulls on a lot of different sort of inspiration one of the things i liked about is at the start you get to pick one of a list of like special abilities for your character Mm -hmm. Uh, how you went for like the doctor star Mm -hmm. character didn't you and i went for the mystic which is like your jedi sort of force off brand jedi (laughs) yeah exactly yeah like sort of poundland jedi and uh, all of the special abilities for that that and I, I don't know about your doctor ones, mm. but certainly all the ones I looked at, the Mystic, they're all sort of instantly recognizable as like, oh yeah, this is like the bit where you can like push people using the force. Oh, I can like, I can enhance a weapon with like energy or whatever and effectively make it into a lightsaber. So I love the fact that, that there was almost like too much good stuff on the character. And then you get, <laughs> yeah. you get to, I always love that in a game where I'm like, um, oh yeah, I'd like, I'd like any of these. And then you just have to pick one. But it's a, there was no none of them on there that I'd have picked. I mean, I don't know what the ones were like for you, for the Doctor. I took the first one that I saw. It was the first one on the list. It was the only one to take because it was called, damn it, I'm a Doctor, not a... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that was the one that, it, like, basically, yeah. if you go like, damn it, I'm a Doctor, not a first-class pod racing pilot, it lets you roll your... You take some stress and you roll your Doctor... Yeah. Sort of ability yeah. instead of what your piloting ability I, I or whatever believe else. my use of it was damn it i'm a doctor not a security guard as i was trying yeah. to tackle that massive guy yeah yeah you were uh, you were trying to put the sleeper hold on the oh, assassin cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which you did eventually yeah, yeah. one of the other it didn't go quite as smoothly as i'd hoped well that, that, that's the that's the point of the game though isn't it but yeah. Yeah, a mechanism that i very much liked with the game was the fact that it by using the sort of plot setup mechanism mm-hmm. and then the like downtime mechanism, it sort of sets up the story for you very, very quickly. Yes. And it skips mm-hmm. you straight into an action sequence. And obviously, because it was the first session and none of us are very like familiar with the uh, dice rolling system, mm-hmm. that combat did take us quite a while that time. But because we were already like invested in the game, 
we hadn't had two hours of like waffle and looking around for maps and whatever mm-hmm. before we actually got to that sort yeah, of climactic combat. And mm-hmm. yourself, I'm not sure if I mentioned it at the time, but very much props on like telegraphing um, what was going on between the guy who we got a bounty on and the guy who he was trying to protect and all of that stuff. Because mm-hmm. within about three seconds of the professor turning up, out of character, I knew where the story was going. Mm-hmm. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, it felt like I'd been watching a movie for two hours and we were on to like the entertaining action sequence towards yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though we'd only been gaming for about half an hour. Yeah. yeah, that is that is one of the great strengths I I think of the uh, and and also one of the things that I think will not appeal to a certain kind of player and that that's entirely let's just put it out there that's fine if you don't like it but I do uh, if you the like idea the that, waffle and the wandering yeah. around trying to solve yeah. puzzles and looking yeah. for secret doors this is not yeah. the game for you yeah this this is not that this is <laughs> this is uh, the game telling you and me as well as the game master that like. Don't worry about it. We'll backfill the thing. Like we'll yeah. we'll just do it live. Mm. <laughs> and that's it. Go yeah, in I mean, and then when there's questions, you're like, well, I guess it was this all along. <laughs> perhaps you should explain to people uh, one of the one of the yeah. ways in which the game tries to like sort of jumpstart you into the action is you have your sort of mission that you're on at the start, and then you come up with a plan for the mission, like how you want to approach it. And there's a few sort of different templates in the book, you know, whether you want to like stealthily go and like infiltrate somewhere, whether you just want to like kick the door down and like burst in firing guns, Mm -hmm. you pick your sort of rough template, you fill in your plan, then you literally just make a roll for it to see how the plan goes. And it's only when something goes wrong or it starts getting interesting, that's when you go, right, now we're going to sort of zoom in on the action and we're going to play this out. So all the bit in it, in the game that Johannes ran for us, we'd been we'd been hired to go and bring back this person called Thull, who was like an, an ex assassin, and he'd gone rogue, and we we were like legitimate bounty hunters going to get him. And also our secondary mission was to recover the original bounty that he'd sort of failed to do. So we didn't do all the like, oh, we're getting in our ship, we're like traveling across space to this like desert world where he is, or oh, we're like canvassing the city to try and find him. All right, we're talking to the locals, which there's a certain amount of enjoyment you can get from that sort of investigation. But for this sort of game, it's very much a make a couple of roles to establish the scene and the early parts of the mission. And then when things get interesting, in this case, when we found him in a, a local bathhouse and we were like, right, we've got to get in there and get him out. How are we going to do it? That's when you zoom in and you actually start playing out the sort of details of the scenario, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, and then at the end of the session, there's another very similar mechanism, which I expect you'll explain a bit more in a moment, Johannes, where like you get the consequences from what you've done and a couple of next next time on scum and villainy <laughs> yeah. sort of threads yeah, yeah. It, that's another nice element to it because it makes you want to come back to the game because you know a bit of what's going to happen next time yeah because there's like the, a teaser um, trailer there's like you there's the the heat mechanic way depending on what you've done in your scenario you can gain sort of heat with pressure in the in the sort of sector of space you're in which in this game because we only got i think three 
we we have an ability because we chose it at the start where we're like licensed bounty hunters so because we were pursuing a legit bounty we can knock three off the heat so effectively for that we were like oh we're golden we've not got any undue problems because a legit bounty we've done it we've come back we've collected the creds happy days but obviously if we did something that was a bit on the less legit side shall we say we wouldn't be able to use mm-hmm. that and we'd be getting more heat which i think is a nice sort of abstract way of so recording yeah. how the how the things are going to change in the setting. Yeah. So for um for like the thing that we're discussing now is at the end of a session of uh, Scum and Villainy and also the other similar like derived games of, of mm-hmm. Blades in the Dark, you roll for uh, entanglements, which is the sort of like abstracted amalgamated like result of your lives as a like a gr- crew of dubious <laughs> nature and uh it, it brings something in to the game uh which is usually some kind of trouble and uh it the severity depends on how many wanted levels you have uh and that wanted levels are kind of the same as trauma so like when your heat uh, meter gets filled out you get a wanted level and um that's not strictly just the official like authority is looking for you it's basically uh the sort of again abstracted <clears throat> version of like people are looking at what you're doing because you're making waves uh and uh our role uh because we, we didn't have any heat we didn't have any wanted level so it was the the mildest possible things and uh we rolled and the result was <laughs> new quote-unquote friends and mm-hmm. uh uh, it was uh, it was up to me to pick uh, a neutral faction, so a faction we hadn't uh, any ties to before, and uh, they would offer quote unquote <laughs> the uh, an, a mission to the crew, uh, and uh, if the crew would decline the mission, then they would uh, be a neutral faction no longer, and it would instead be a, a slightly hostile faction because you rebuffed their request. Mm. And uh, it, it goes uh, like that's one of the results, uh, which is fairly mild because it's like someone just showing up and you're like, hey, I want you to work for me. And then you're like, nah, you're shifty. No, I don't want to. Uh, and then they're like, well, fine. Like, fuck you then. Uh, and that's it. Uh, it. It goes no further. But there is, uh, as you go up in the wanted levels, it might be like, and the Imperial Cruiser shows up. <laughs> And they, they have their tractor <laughs> being popped on you. And like, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I did like the, the fact as well that um, the experience system seems to be very much tied in to encourage you to do sort of like risky and sort of over-the-top like hijinks in the yep. game. Yeah, mm. yeah, very much so. Like uh, doing stuff that might be troublesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and of, of course, as a result, generate good stuff in the fiction of the game like yeah, interesting bits which is cool so like i always think you know when you see these uh these sort of sci-fi bounty hunters and things and they're like oh you've got to bring back so and so like dead or alive like why do they all just not walk around with like a sort of long range like sniper rifle see him in the distance and just be like <laughs> all right i'll just i'll just collect the body obviously that's morally repugnant but it's like it's a lot more co- <laughs> it's a lot more convenient for the bounty hunter and likewise, in sort of like role play games, often there's there's not really a reason to not sort of like do things in like the quickest, most like brutally efficient way. Whereas I think in this, because the advancement relies on you sort of like trying out these wacky sort of like plans and getting into all complicated hijinks, the system itself actually encourages the sort of game 
the designers want you to be playing with it, which is, I think, a good thing. Yeah, at least for me, being the kind of design wonk that I am is that that's that's how you tell a good game. Uh, like if if the game by the design itself, by which I mean the rules, if the rules generate the the good stuff, like the interesting fiction in the game, that's 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 a good game because it, it helps you uh, do the thing that you're you want to do as well yeah and i think that's that's one of the strengths and i suppose potentially also one of the rather weaknesses of the various like power by the apocalypse derived games because they are sort of so focused on telling a certain type of game it's like scum and villainy it's focused on you're a crew on board a ship you've got a ship you owe money to people you owe favors to people to pay those off you take various jobs other hijinks ensue, you get embroiled in the relationship between all these different factions. Now, you couldn't just sort of run this game and go, oh, I'm just going to settle down and be like an interstellar trader. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, yeah, I, I could be I could be like a, an independent bound hunter, but I'm going to like sign on for the rebellion and try and like destroy the Imperial Death Star or whatever. Not Well, you could do, but not without like a lot more work because the game is sort of focused on, you know, these are the stories we're telling. And I think the strength of that is it allows them to really focus everything, the background, the mechanics, on telling that specific type of story. The potential disadvantage is it's not going to be something like a more generic system where you can pick up like a generic sci-fi system and you can go, right, well, with this rule system, we can tell whatever sci-fi story we want in whatever universe we're telling. But the, the sort of trade-off for that is if you've got your more generic sci-fi system, whatever story you tell it's going to involve a certain amount of work to prep it and to point the game in that direction because it's general. Whereas if you're happy with the sort of game that a Powered by the Apocalypse game is offering you, it's all there for you. There's tools to support you. You can get up and running with that very quick. So you mentioned Tremulous earlier on. If you want to play a sort of a Cthulhu Mythos style game using the Powered by the Apocalypse rules where you inevitably receive cosmic, like enlightenment and go mental at the end of it as you're struggling against evil cults and stuff like that then great tremulous has got you covered if you're just like oh, i want to play a different type of game in like the 1920s like tremulous will not do that for you <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't help <laughs> it doesn't help in that and there's been attempts and, and i say attempts but there the, people have made sort of stripped down uh, versions of Powered by the Apocalypse, basically the main resolution mechanic. Yeah, uh, you could go out and pick up uh, like World of Dungeons, I think it's called. Yes, yeah. sort of like you just like boil Dungeon World until there's n- like bones left, and <laughs> then you take those out and you play with those. Uh, people have done versions of that, and I think yeah, of course it's like you could. Today, you could play whatever game you wanted if you just wanted to use the simple mechanics of 2d6, uh, 10 plus, great success, uh, 9 to 7, eh, yes, but, and then 6 or below, the other person tells you what happens. You could play a game with just these rules, like forever, mm-hmm. but it's like that, that's it. Like you need to provide everything else. <laughs> and yeah. I think that the, um, the strength is exactly in what John, uh, you just said that the games are focused on the thing that they are doing instead of being like, this is a toolbox that you can do anything with. They are like, this is a very specific, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, what, what's the screwdriver from <laughs> Dr. Who? The so- Sonic. Yeah, this is a very specific Sonic screwdriver. It, it only screws 
Sonic. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I enjoy that greatly. However, uh, I also like the because uh, it's it's different tools for different jobs, right? If I want yes. to if I want to play uh, Common Villain, I will play it, but I will also be playing. Um, what is it called? The Stars Without Number revised edition, again, going forward. Yes. Even though I could play the exact same thing in both of these games, the game is going to be different because of the, the rules. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I like stuff in uh, Scum and Villainy, and I like stuff in Stars Without Number, uh, yeah, Stars Without Number revised, and uh, for different reasons, uh, which is the, the main thing. Like it's, th- these games aren't really comparable in that way because they are blatantly different entities yeah i mean to, to give another example of that you're you're running us through um tatters of the king for call of cthulhu mm-hmm. at the moment um, myself and dennis and obviously that uses the the call of cthulhu system and we've referenced tremulous earlier but tremulous is like a sort of hyper sort of condensed like mm-hmm. particular version of like a mythos story yep. you know where it's sort of like hyper accelerated to like get you to that end sort of point whereas mm-hmm. in the call of cthulhu game it's it's a bit more a bit more sort of leisurely you know you can take your time yeah. you can wander around you can do more stuff and i like both the games i, I love i love going like oh let's play a tremulous one shot i'll make a few choices off this like this um this play set Oh yeah, mm-hmm. this is what the spooky towns like. Go and investigate what the evil cult is in the town. Boom! There, there's a nice little adventure you can do. But it's also nice if you want a bit of a longer game to go. Oh, it's nice to have a slightly more relaxed game where you can wander around, you can chew the scenery up more, you can investigate in a bit more detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I say different tools for yeah, different jobs. Yeah, different tools for different jobs. Like, what do you want to do? Get the right tool for that thing instead of being uh, well, not to throw too much shade uh, on anyone particularly, but there's a lot of D20 games that did not need to be D20 games <laughs> out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, just a, a ton of them <laughs> could have been their own system or a different system instead of being D&D, but then it's like, oh, s- s- space and, and lasers. <laughs> uh, it's, I favor specificity and intent when it comes to these sort of things, because that's when you get the best results instead of using a, a wrong tool or, or a extremely generic tool that can get the job done, but it's, it's going to take a lot more out of you. Yeah. I mean, it's like to, to carry on like the sort of hardware methodology. So if you're trying to put in a screw into like a bit of wood, it's like technically anything that fits in that slot, you can, you can put in there and you can yeah. twist to put that screw in. But if you've got like a nice electric screwdriver, where you just go, yeah. Yeah, done yeah That's you could use a way. hammer you could use yeah. a hammer to get the screw in it might not be pretty <laughs> yeah it's like i mean even just hammering a nail in you, you could hit that with your shoe and hammer it in yeah. absolutely fine it'd work but it'd take you a long time or you could get like a, an actual hammer hammer it in that'll take you even less time or yeah. you could get a nail gun and be like done yeah. <laughs> yeah so we turned into a hardware store now so well well H- hannah works for a hardware store so. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, next time we're going to be reviewing tools apparently <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah okay, go, go start up a tool podcast we hope you've enjoyed that episode if you want to get in touch with us you can drop us an email the address is rdd rpg podcast at gmail.com 
or if you want to leave us a voicemail message you can head over to our page on speakpipe.com and that will allow you to leave a 90 second voicemail and you might even be featured in a future show there's a link to this included in the show notes as well as a link to our website and other places where you can contact us we hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you soon